Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. This morning I want to share with you a man from the Bible who is known to be blameless. And he was a man who was known to have complete integrity. He was a man who had it all. He had the wife, he had the house, he had wealth, he had camels. And I'm not meaning like three camels. This man had 3,000 camels. This man had some sheep, not like seven sheep, try 7,000 sheep. This man had it all. He had a good reputation, he had it all. This man also lost it all. This is a man that moved through great pain and anguish, and he was honest with his pain and anguish. This is a man that we can read about and learn from, and it's also a story in which we can see how God is always moving behind the scenes. There's always a bigger picture. What Marlene said today, there is a destiny that God has given to each and every one of us. And sometimes we're like, I don't know what that could be. This is a story in which we can see that, again, God is moving in the behind the scenes. It's a story that brought a man to his knees in absolute surrender. When he lost it all, he had nothing much more to give other than himself. And he got to a place where he was on his knees and said, Lord, let your will be done. Let's take a look here, the beginning of Job. We're going to start in verse 6, but I'm just going to read um, just a little bit of the first part here. It says, there was a man named Job, and he feared God and stayed away from evil. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. And every year when Job's sons had birthdays, he invited their brothers and sisters over to join them for a celebration. On these occasions, they would get together to eat and drink. When these celebrations ended, and sometimes they lasted for several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. So one day... While Job's sons and daughters were at their older brother's house having one of those celebrations, there was a knock at the door. And Job answers the door, and it's one of his servants. And the servant says, the Sabians have raided. They have raided and stole all of your oxen and donkeys. And they even killed some of your servants, but I was able to escape to tell you this. And just as he finished saying that, another servant comes running up from out of nowhere, and he's like, Job, fire from heaven has come down and killed your servants and have wiped out your sheep. And just as he had finished saying that, another messenger has come. And he says, Job, a band of raiders have stole 3,000 of your camels plus killed your servants. I was able to escape to come and tell you this. And just as that man was finished saying, his, uh, his ex- explanation of what's happened with his, these camels, another messenger comes and said, Job, A wind came from the desert and and hit the house in which your sons and daughters were feasting. 
and everybody in the house has died. I was able to escape it, and I've come to tell you this. In less than five minutes, perhaps, Job has lost his sheep, his oxen, his donkeys, his camels, and his sons and daughters. He had seven sons and three daughters. Boom. Plus his servants. What does Job do? He says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be stripped of everything when I die. The Lord gave me everything I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. He lost everything. And what does he say? Praise the name of the Lord. See, what Job didn't realize what was happening was that Satan had had a conversation with God. And he said, you know, I've been coasting the earth. And we could look at verse 9 where it says, oh, sorry, verse 8. Above verse 8, it says, that's verse 7. So Satan answered the Lord and said, I have been going back and forth across the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and will have nothing to do with evil. Satan replied to the Lord and said, yes, Job fears God, but not without good reason. You have always protected him and have made a home protected him and his home and his property from harm. You have made him prosperous in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But you take everything away, and surely he will blame you. Surely he will curse you. But what does Job do? He doesn't curse God. He says, the Lord gave me everything I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. So in all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. And so then there was a second test that came. And God, or Satan says to the Lord, well, skin for skin, you know, he, he, didn't, he didn't curse you there because, because he still has his health. So what does God do or allow for things to happen? So Satan left the Lord's presence and struck Job with a terrible case of boils from head to foot. Sheesh. Has anybody ever had a boil? I don't know what a boil is like, but it sounds horrible. So imagine, Jen, like imagine from your head to your foot covered in boils. Like, I, I just, I don't even, it just, I imagine it's so incredibly painful. So then verse 8 here, it says, Then Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, you talk like a godless woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all of this, Job did nothing wrong. And so when you go through the book of Job, you see that his friends, bless them, try to help him and try to console him. But they, they say the wrong things. And, and it's just it goes on and on. And, and we go into uh, verse 13 or chapter 13, 15, and this is a, 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 I just love how he says this, though he slay me, Job is saying this about God, though he slay me, I will trust in him. Another translation is, shall I not trust in him? He has lost 
all of his sons and daughters, all of his wealth, now his health. His wife is saying, just curse God and die already. His friends are telling him the wrong things and not saying the right things to say. His whole life has been turned upside down. And he says, though he slay me, I will trust in him. Because Job had a relationship with God and could trust him and knew him. So he, though he doesn't understand what is going on, this man who is blameless, this man of complete integrity, he couldn't understand what was going on. He's like, God, I've done everything right. I've trusted you. I've walked with you. I know you. What? And why is this happening? When things are going smooth with us, our lives, we feel great. You know those days when you wake up and you're like, wow, my hair looks really great today. Or when you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, no blemish, woo, selfies. Or you see someone taking a picture, take a picture of me too, because today's a good day. When our work is going great, not an issue in sight when our kids are actually really well behaving. And we're like, whoa, everything is going so great. And we can say, God is so good. God is so good. He blessed me with like really great hair, really clear skin. He's blessed me with this really great job where there's never any tensions. He blessed me with a really great house where there's never any floods. We can say, God is so good. It's easy. But the moment when that curveball comes from out of left field and everything that was upside right becomes downside down. What is, how is it? Down, downside up. Upside down. You get it. It's in this mess of absolute perplexity and anguish that Trust and faith have to rise up. It's in that place where we have to stand and say, I don't know what is going on, but I'm going to choose to trust you in this situation. See, Job had steadfast trust. Say steadfast trust. Now, I've asked you to say that. Because I believe God wants us to have steadfast trust. God wants us to have loyal, unwavering, reliable, steady, solid trust in him. See, Satan thought, we just get rid of Job's finances. We get rid of Job's... Uh, children we get rid of job's health he will surely curse you lord but what ended up happening job trusted in god even more he chose to trust even when he couldn't understand he chose to trust even when he couldn't understand 
when we don't understand things, when we, don't, when we start to lose control, which is amazing to me because I don't know when I'm going to really understand that I don't have really much control of anything except for how I choose to respond or to react to situations. We have no control. We have absolutely no control. But when we come to that place where when, when things are just not going the way we want, when we don't have that control over a situation, we must choose to trust. Even in our discouragement, even in our absolute devastation, even in absolute tragedy, even in depression, even in whatever situation we are faced with, we must choose to trust. In Job 16, 12, he gives a very honest, raw, and real, which I love, honest, raw, and real, response to God here. So Job's, and I'm going to read a couple of translations here because I find it really amazing because I can relate and I like reading scriptures in which I can be like, yeah, you know what? I was there at one time. I'm there sometimes. I might be there next week. So it says here in Job 16, 12, you know what? God can handle it, okay? God can handle real, raw, and honest. Job says, I was living in peace, but God took me by the throat and battered me and crushed me. God uses me for target practice. I was living quietly until he shattered me. He took me by the neck and broke me into pieces. Then he set me up as his target. This is how he feels. I was always well with me. But he shattered me, he seized me by the neck and crushed me. He made me his target. Another translation, I was at ease, but he hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by the neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. To at one time living so well, all's well, to be everything is so peaceful. Everything is so at ease. To shatter, to broken, to asunder, crushed, torn to pieces, shredded apart. See, there will be seasons in our life where we will encounter days, weeks, months of trial and tribulation. And there will be seasons where we will experience abundance and victories and, and days when we're where we see God move and, and conquer situations we didn't think possible. It's in these trying times, these dark questioning times, that growth and character develop. Where growth and character begin. See, there's always a bigger picture. And... Job was known as this great man, but we can see in verse or in chapter 42. Job responds to the Lord. See, he has this revelation, and he says, I'm ignorant. 
says in verse 2 here, I know that you, Lord, can do anything, and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? Job replies, it is I. And I was talking about things I did not understand, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I heard all about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. Job didn't know as much as he thought he knew. And when we get this revelation that life is more than what we can see and possibly understand, it's easier for us to let our agendas, our ideas, our dreams go. The title of today's message is, and I meant to say this earlier, but I forgot, is when we can, he can. And when we can come to that place of absolute revelation of what it means to surrender and to let it go, then God can come in and move in ways that we never thought possible. It's when we can let go of that steering wheel we think we have so much control of and say, God, I don't know where I'm going. It's when we can let go, he can come in and take the wheel for us and begin to take us places that we were too afraid to go, where, where doors were, were closed but now they're opening. You know, we sometimes wonder, why didn't I get that job I applied for? I was like the perfect person for this job. And you didn't get it. Well, there might be a bigger picture as to why you didn't get it. Perhaps God knows you so well and knows that that job actually wasn't the best job for you because there's actually a better job coming in like two weeks. I remember Sean and I were so upset we could not sell our house. We, we took our, we went even further down, like, Whatever, whatever it is. Um, we were trying to sell it for like 232, and then we're like, well, let's just try to sell it for 212. We just wanted to get out. And it didn't work. And then what? Two months later, he's diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, our house didn't sell. Because community, I needed to be where it was safe. I needed to know that I had friends around me in our complex that would be with us and support me when I could not do anything. And I had people coming over constantly. Are we able to watch your kids? Are we able to get you anything at the store? Serving, helping. God knows. You know, you might be upset that you didn't get that promotion or the kids didn't get into that school you really wanted them to go and get into to surrender and to let it go. When we seek first his kingdom, all things shall be added. And not to consume ourselves with the things that we are just staring at. Like, why didn't I get that job? 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 And we just are focused on it. Let it go. Maybe you have a friendship or a relationship and it's just not working out. Let it go. Maybe you just need to let it go. Maybe God knows a little bit more of what's about to come if you keep on forcing and trying to control things. See, the more we're able to let things go 
And the more we get to know him, the more we get, begin to trust him. And the more that we begin to trust him is the more we are willing to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to have your way in my life as opposed to me trying to find my own way in this life. There's a need to have to find a place where we can say, Lord, your way be done. Your will be done. I don't want to keep trying to do it on my own anymore, Lord. And I'm making up these ways and it's just not working out. Why? Because it's not the right way for me to go. Does that make sense? You're very quiet today and I just wish I had like some sort of Thanks, Lena. I just want to make sure you, because we all are going through different trials in this life. We all go through different seasons, right? But to be able to just let it go. See, I thought I was getting hot. There's actually hot heat blowing through here. I'm like, it's a, why am I like sweating so much? It's actually a heater right here. Woo. Anyhow, so the more that we walk with Jesus, the more we begin to realize that it's a lot easier to let things go. Because I'm starting to find um, that it actually takes a lot more work to hold on to things than to let it go. The more we like try to hold on, like, I'm just not going to stop holding on to this. I really want, I don't know, something. Just let it go. And then, whew, easy. It's not always so easy. I know it's not. But I do find that as we continue on with our life with walking with Jesus, we can come to that realization that God is really for us, that he is not against us, that he really knows the best for our lives. And we come, and how do we know that? Well, through experience is one, because of the many storms that we've had to walk through and to see, wow, God really was with me through that storm through the dragons we have had to battle and see how God has come in and has been able to fight those dragons for us. Because of the different mountains we have had to climb and to see that God was with us the whole time of climbing those insanely high mountains. He has been with us those times in our lives when we thought it was impossible and then we get to the mountaintop and we're like, we did it, Lord Jesus through the desert seasons we've walked through. Many of us have walked through a desert season, and we can come back and look at what God did. He was our shelter when there was no shelter. He was our light when there was no light. He was our, our um, food when there was no food. See, struggle comes when you hold on and not let go. But freedom comes when you let go. I'm going to read that again because I want you to just understand this. So struggle comes in holding on and not letting go. But freedom comes by letting go. I heard a really neat saying um, about, and again, these things happen when we can let go. And that's when character starts to develop. And, and God wants us to have a good character, to be known for our character. And a quote that I heard was, ability can get you to the top, but character keeps you at the top. That's so good. That was Reg Groeschel. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Reg because it's just easier. <laughs> Reg Groeschel said that. <laughs> um, and then I just want to take a look, too, also here in uh, verse 42. 
So when Job says, yes, Lord, I was ignorant and I come before you and I've seen you now, I see you doing now, like what, what you're doing. Job prayed for his friends. And verse 10 here says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Man, hey? In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came to and feasted with him in his home, and they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. Verse 12 says, So the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life, even more than in the beginning. And then just down to verse 16, it says, Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children and grandchildren. Then he died an old man who had lived a long, good life. I want to be, be known as a woman who lived a long, good life. God wants all of us to be men and women who have lived a long, good life. You know, there's great pain. There's great pain. But there's a greater God. And trials can either make us or break us. Trials can either make us bitter or make us better. In the process, there is always a purpose. And in the purpose, there's always a process. Crushing, Job says, I'm being crushed. Crushing is not to make a mess out of you, but to make a success out of you. That makes sense. There is a quote from Helen Keller that I love. And I think of it often. Because Helen Keller was awesome. Listen to this and be moved. When one door of happiness closes, another opens. But often, we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has been opened for us. God doesn't want us to be stuck in the pain. God doesn't want us to be stuck in the trials and the tribulations. He wants us to come to a place where we surrender before him and say, Lord, your will be done in this situation. I don't know what is going on, but I am choosing to trust you in it, that you've got my back, that you are for me and not against me. I want us to just quickly take a look at Proverbs 3 here. Trust. Trusting in the Lord. I have six points of how we can trust God. And it's from Proverbs. So I'm not, it's not that I've made this up. It's from Proverbs. So trusting in God, starting in uh, verse 5, chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn your back on evil. Then you will gain renewed health and vitality. Honor the God... Sorry. 
I just turned into my grandma for a minute. Honor the Lord, or the God, <laughs> with your wealth and with the best part of everything your land produces. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with the finest wine. My child, don't ignore it when the Lord disciplines you and don't be discouraged when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So from those scripture verses, six points. Number one, don't depend on you. Depend on him. Number two, seek his will. Not your own will. Number three, run to God. Don't run to evil. Run from it. Run to God. Run from evil. Number four, put God first in your life. Number five, Jen, listen to the Holy Spirit. Number six, it did mean something. <laughs> Sorry, in case you didn't get that. Number five, listen to the Holy Spirit. And number six, rest in God's love. When we come to that place where we can just like rest in his love and to just soak in his presence, man, he just fills us up. And, and again, just remember, like, I understand pain. And all of us in this room have had a fair share amount of pain in their lives. But great pain, there's a greater God. And he's able to take that there has to be a willing to let that pain go. To let it go. To just give it to the Lord. And he can handle it. He can handle the raw, honest, real emotions. You will not ever offend him. You, would off you offend him by lying to him. By saying, I feel great, Lord. You're so awesome. When you are dying inside. That's a lie. He doesn't do well with lies. God, God's not into lying. So I'm going to do a quick, quick prayer. But I do want you to know that if any of you are desiring... Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply into your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.